Worcester Talking News, brought to you in conjunction with the Worcester News and Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. The news today is from Friday, January the 23rd until today, the 30th of June. And joining with me this evening um, are Sue, Janet, uh, Patsy, and um, we have a newcomer tonight, a very, very warm welcome to Lynn. Um, so we're, we're very well blessed with uh, team members this evening. And our engineer is uh, Barry. Um, and so all the administration and copying is done by Carol Hartle and her team, to whom we are very, very grateful. Otherwise, you would not receive your memory sticks. So um, they, they do a sterling job behind the scenes. Um, this evening, we will be ringing you, um, as always, uh, we'll open the birthday book. We will uh, and wish happy birthday to anyone who has a birthday this week. We will be telephone giving you telephone numbers um, that are useful and uh, you may want to um, keep a, a note of or listen to again. We'll tell you what's on in the entertainment world uh, and in the uh, county, uh, or local county anyway. And then we'll give you headline news for all from the newspaper for the whole, whole week and lots of other articles that you might find interesting. Not forgetting some sport items for those of you who are interested in, in sport too. Uh, at the end, I will read the obituaries uh, along with the thought for the day and uh, we'll have the final music. So we'll get going straight away if that's all right. And I'll ask Sue if she would kindly read the birthdays for this week. Thank you, Sue. Um, hello, everyone. Um, we're just going to um, tell you who's had birthdays this week. Um, on the 2nd of July, it was Elizabeth Stiles. Um, happy birthday to you. And on the 5th of um, June was Ida Hewlett. And Ida Hewlett is 100, was 100 on the 5th of July. Well, so she will be. we'll give her a very, yes, very special um, birthday. Yay. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Ida. Happy very birthday. happy birthday to you. And then we've got Michael Day also um, with a birthday. Okay, could you do sunrise and sunset as well, please? Um, I'm sorry, where is it? I don't doing very well, am I? Did it fall on the floor? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. Sun. <laughs> Sunrise and sunset. Minimum um, temperature is 13 degrees. <coughs> um, maximum 200. No, sorry, 20. Wind temp um, is 10 miles per, per hour. Sunrise is at 4:51 um, a.m. and the sun sets at 9:34 p.m. Thank you very much, Sue. And now. Um uh, Patsy will tell us some relevant telephone numbers, please. Okay, useful telephone numbers. Worcester Talking News, 01905 767766. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of hours, medical assistance, between 6pm and 8pm, 0300, one two double three two double one Crime Stoppers zero eight double zero treble five treble one Community Risk Team 
Fire Safety, 0800-032-1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline, 0800-980-3331. Worcestershire County Council, here to help. And you need to request option 3 and it's 01095 768053 Worcester Hub 01905765765 Sense of Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired Telephone D Jones on 01684 891297 Samaritans a free phone number Double one six one two three. Worcester Theatre's box office zero one nine zero five six double one four two seven. Malvern Theatre box office zero one six eight four eight nine double two double seven. Norbury Theatre Droitwich box office zero one nine zero five double seven zero one five four. Number 8 Theatre, Pershaw Box Office, 01386 And now, National Grid, formerly Western Power, need to telephone 0800-917-7953. It's a 24-hour service. And to use this, invent a power cut. There's a priority service, register free on 0800-032-8302 who will provide information, for example, in Braille, large print or alternative languages. I know Janet will tell us all We've about the We've got several nice things three. coming up in the theatre. Um, the Retro Rock Show. Now this is at the Swan Theatre, Friday the 30th of June. Um, at 7.30 and then A Vision of Elvis on Saturday the 1st of July at 7.30 and then there's another one but it's at the Huntingdon and it's called Never 42 I think it's something to do with Level 42 the um, um, pop group So, and then I've got number 8 here at Pershaw Brian and Roger Eno live at the Acropolis now that's Friday the 28th of July at 7.30. And Pershaw Jazz on a summer's day, a musical journey through time and place to visit four great cities with strong jazz connections. Now that's Saturday 12th of August, 2 to 5.30 and 7.15 to 10.30. And then there's Malvern, there's one called Abigail's Park Party and that's from Tuesday the 4th to Saturday the 8th of July um, evenings at 7.30 first night and Wednesday matinee and also Wednesday and Saturday mat matinee um, did I say the date of that? yes, 4th to the 8th ok now we've got the Norbury at Droitwich uh, Saturday the 8th of July is 
Opera Worcester presents Come and Sing Songs from Stage and Screen. Now that's 7.30. Um, and then we've got Footloose, which is 27th to the 29th of July. It's a musical. Now that's one's at um, the Norbury. And it's Lollipop Youth Theatre presents Footloose. And then the library here, it's a free entry for, hang on, yes, 4th of March to the 1st of July, <laughs> a bit late there, from the Cornish coast to the Morven Hills. It's British Impressionism from the 19th and 20th century. So, and it says at Worcester City Art Gallery, audio description, headsets are available. Right, now we'll, we'll start with headlines for the week. So Sue's going to read the first headline, which was from last Friday. Um, and the headline says, Burst water main causes chaos. Police warn motorists they'll target those who drive illegally to find alternative routes. Traffic chaos is expected to last for several days after the burst water main closed a main road into the city centre. Highways bosses have warned it could take several days before the A38 Barbourne Road can be reopened again after a large-scale um, water leak. The closure caused traffic problems across the north of the city with nearby roads gridlocked. Heavy traffic on Bilford Road and Astwood Road, as well as dangerous drivers travelling in the wrong direction. The usually busy Barbourne Road was quiet, other than the pumping of water and chatting of onlookers. Once the road shut down, the evening commute on Wednesday. Highways bosses said they could would remove sorry improve diversion signs after receiving complaints were also asking police to carry out enforcement on one-way roads near the closure a Worcestershire Highways spokesperson said we are expecting the A38 Barbourne Road Worcester to remain closed for several days we're treating we're meeting with the 7 Trent to assess damage to the road a 7 Trent spokesperson said the area has a complex network of pipes and that fixing the problem quickly as possible is its top priority. They said we'd like to apologise for the disruption that's being caused on Barbourne Road and we're incredibly thankful for those patient enough um, to um, work with the um, public. Work has to be carried out carefully as this is a complex network of pipes but our teams are now ready to start excavating so repairs can begin. Our priority has been that everyone's water has remained on throughout which we did with our tankers in the area keeping supplies on for everyone. We do, however, fully understand that Barbourne Road is a busy and well-used road, so we're working with the council to ensure the best traffic management and signage is in place to help ease traffic. There will also be a lot of activity happening on the site when repairs begin, so again we're sorry for the disruption it will cause. 
We want to assure everyone that it is in our absolute priority to have the pipe fixed and road back open as quickly as possible. We're very thankful for the local community's understanding as we work in the area. <coughs> Nightmare closure after a water leak on a major city road has affected trade of businesses in the area. Businesses near Barbon Road have been left counting the cost after the main road was closed after a burst water pipe. Worcestershire Highways has warned the A38 will remain closed this weekend and does not have to a reopening date yet, though 7 Trent has completed repairs to the pipe. Water surged down Barbon Road on Wednesday afternoon, June 21st, forcing the tarmac to crack and police to cordon off the road. There is still a giant hole in the road while work is ongoing at the site, with water currently being pumped out. The closure has not just caused chaos to traffic, but also nearby businesses that rely on passing trade. John Dean, co-owner of the Alma Tavern on Droitwich Road, said there has been a notable difference in trade following the water leak. He said, we have certainly noticed things have been slower since this has all begun. While the signage is up for motorists and pedestrians, which is all well and good, the thing that is missing is some wording that highlights businesses are open as usual and there is still access to frontages. I know that these things happen and the work is needed to get things back up to normal, but it does have a knock-on effect on trade and also staffing. With fewer people coming through the door, it could mean fewer staff are needed on the day, which could affect their hours. Ryan Maund of the Swan at Barbon said that the closure has been a nightmare and has also affected deliveries to the pub. He said it has caused a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. My delivery could not come to the pub this morning as it couldn't get round the closure, which caused a lot of panic. In the end, I've had to sort a courier instead, so we have our stock levels in order ahead of the weekend. This sort of thing has happened on Barbon Road before and water actually managed to find its way into my cellar, which was annoying, but thankfully not the end of the world. I think the closure will be in effect for a while, so hopefully it doesn't damage our weekend. However, not all businesses have experienced a major change in trade as a result of the closure. The Lemon Tart said that the business has thankfully not been too affected by the closure and is continuing as normal. Worcester residents who had their water supply affected should now have it restored, <coughs> but Seven Trent warned it may be intermittent. Seconds from disaster. Man in his 20s dies after balloon plummets to the ground in tragic early morning accident. Man killed in hot air balloon crash. A man in his 20s has died after a hot air balloon crash near Worcester. West Mercia Police have said that the man was pronounced dead at the scene of the crash on Sunday morning. His family are now being supported by specialist family liaison officers from West Mercia Police. The balloon fell to the ground in a field off Holt Fleet Road near Ombersley Court. The balloon could be seen wrapped around a tree. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said at 6.20am 
police received a call that a hot air balloon had deflated and fallen to the ground near the A449 at Ombersley. Emergency services attended and unfortunately a man was pronounced dead by paramedics. The Air Accident Investigation Branch will now carry out an investigation. A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service spokesman said, We went out to an incident involving a hot air balloon in Ombersley on the Holt Fleet Road. We had a call at 6.23am. Crews from Worcester, Droitwich, Wire Forest, Eversham and Bromsgrove attended. The spokesman said they had left the scene, leaving it to police by 11.30am. At Holt Fleet Road, there was an officer at the scene and a police vehicle parked on the land where the crash happened. The tragedy took place on the weekend of the Worcester Balloon Festival. The organisers of the Worcester Balloon Festival said the crash is not related to the event. They said the festival finished last night. It was not connected to the festival. Eyewitnesses spoke of their shock at what they saw. One witness said there were lots of balloons in the sky because it was clear and sunny despite being so early. Suddenly there was a flash and what looked like a fireball coming from a blue balloon and it just dropped like a stone. We called the emergency services but had difficulty getting through on the 999 number because it was down. We finally got through. It was a terrible thing to see. Tributes began pouring in on social media after the news broke with many people sending their wishes. Okay, further news on Tuesday, June the 27th, says Peter died doing what he loved. Tributes to hot air balloon crash victim. A hot air balloon caught on fire before hitting a tree, it's been revealed, as investigators remove aircraft from Ombersley crash site. West Midlands Ambulance Service has released more details about the crash, which resulted in the death of a 25-year-old man named as Peter Gregory. Ambulance staff attempted to save his life, but he was declared dead at the scene. We were called at 6.23am on Sunday, June the 25th, to an incident involving a hot air balloon that had caught fire and collided with a tree on Holtfleet Road, Ombersley, in Droitwich, said a WMAS spokesperson. Two ambulances, two paramedic officers, an emerit trauma doctor and a critical care paramedic all attended the scene. Upon arrival, we found a man from the hot air balloon in a critical condition. He received advanced life support at the scene, but unfortunately, Despite the best efforts of ambulance staff, it became clear that nothing more could be done to save him and he was confirmed deceased. The lighted then aircraft has now been recovered by air accidents investigation. A spokesperson said, Yesterday we were notified of a tragic accident involving a hot air balloon in Ombersley, Worcestershire and sent a team of specialist inspectors to the site to begin an investigation. Our team are continuing to make inquiries, interview witnesses and gather evidence to help establish the cause of the accident. The balloon has been recovered and transported to the AAIB headquarters for further examination. 
There had been claims from witnesses they had difficulty making 999 calls, blaming a UK-wide technical fault. However, the Hereford and Worcester Fire Service and West Mercia Police said the calls were made before the national outage, which affected emergency calls across the country. They said it didn't affect their response times. A government spokesperson said there was a technical issue with the 999 call system. This is now fully resolved and the service is running as normal and so anyone with an emergency should call 999 for assistance in the normal way. A full investigation is underway to understand what caused the problem. And on Wednesday, June 28th, the headline was See You in Court. County NHS Trust set to challenge councils over planning money. The county's NHS Trust will be taking the council to court over a refusal to ask developers for millions of pounds for hospitals in exchange for building 2,200 new homes. Worcester City Council, Witchhaven District Council and Malvern Hills District Council all agreed in 2021 to turn down a plea by Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust for £1.84 million from developer Welbeck Land, which is building more than 2,200 homes to the south of the city between St Peter's and Kemsey. A judge will now decide whether the councils had acted lawfully when rejecting the request. The hearing, which is due to start next month, will be held in London. Planning applications, particularly large-scale plans, are usually approved in principle before planners and developers work out funding agreements, knowing as Section 106 money to pay for infrastructure uh, such as bus routes, schools, community centres and parks. NHS trusts are also entitled to make requests for funding from developers to meet the expected rise in population and often the money goes towards new GP surgeries or health centres. All three South Worcestershire councils said in 2021 they did not want to ask for more money if it meant less affordable housing was built and they now say that the position has not changed two years later. The hospital said the money would be used to ensure new and future patients were cared for properly and to prevent the already packed hospital from becoming even more oversubscribed. A letter from 2021 outlined from then then the Interim Director of Planning at Worcester City Council, Simeon Manley, to Malvern Hill's Head of Planning, Duncan Rudge, who coincidentally is now the City Council's Head of Planning and the Hospital's Trust requests, in whole or part, should not be negotiated by cutting down on the number of affordable houses. The Council said the NHS Trust's numbers had been subject to detailed investigation over whether they were viable and planners were not persuaded that they were correct. It is one of several requests made by the County Hospital Trust to the three South Worcestershire District Councils in recent years for money from developers, all of which have been rejected. The Hospital Trust made a request for £3.4 million in 2019, which came as a surprise to council officers, which was rejected by all three planning committees over fears it would damage years of challenging contract discussions between the councils and the developers, as well as jeopardise agreed funding to other authorities. Council planners, as they said in 2019 and 2021, 
maintain the hospital trust had left the request for funding contributions too late and allowing the extra money to be paid to the hospital would mean existing agreements would have to be renegated. A number of hospital trusts have taken councils to court over similar disagreements, with the University Hospital of Leicester NHS Trust recently losing its case on all grounds against Harbour District Council, which approved 2,750 homes without demanding developers cough up nearly a million pounds for the NHS in return. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust was unable for comment. And this is the uh, headline for Thursday, June the 29th. And it's Fed Up Resident Fears Next Van Crash. A fed up and frustrated resident has voiced concerns with the multiple vans that have crashed and destroyed his garden wall. Peter Sheerans has lived on Narrow Thornlow Walk for 30 years and said even when his wall gets fixed it will be knocked down again by a passing vehicle if the council do not fix the layout of the road. Thornilow Walk serves St George's RC Primary School in Worcester and has been the site of several crashes and near misses in recent years. Two of these involved Mr Sheeran's garden wall which had a large had two large vans dismantle the wall on two separate occasions. The thing is, once my wall gets built, it will be demolished again, he said. The wall will get fixed, but it, it's vulnerable for it to happen again. The Barbourne Road closure, I think, is showing what the real problem is. We petitioned before about it, but the County Council wouldn't budge on this. Parents, teachers, residents have all been calling for safety measures on Thornilow Walk for years, with parents taking matters into their own hands this week by starting a blockade. Mr Sheerans added, I don't want to look at the worst case, but the worst case is someone hits the wall and bricks start to fall on a child or someone gets hit. It makes me frustrated, I suppose, because there must be a solution to this. A spokesman for Worcestershire County Council said, We are liaising regularly with Seven Trent to ensure Barbourne Road is reopened as soon as possible to relieve congestion on nearby roads. We are continuing to discuss the ongoing issues with the wall in Thornilow Walk with the local county councillor. Councillor Lewin and residents have been campaigning to make Thornilow Walk a safe street for over a year, but they have not succeeded yet. They want the road to be made a school street, a government initiative to reduce traffic near schools and encourage people to walk and cycle instead. City Councillor Karen Lewin said, School streets are popping up around the country, but the County Council does not yet have a policy. They say they are working on one, but they've not not been working as fast as we would like. Boots has issued a statement on whether its Worcester store is one of the hundreds set to close, The future of the High Street store has been thrown into doubt 
after the pharmacy revealed it will close 300 stores across the country in the next 12 months. When asked about the city's store, a spokesperson said they are not releasing details of affected stores at the moment. However, they plan to share further information on planned closures over the coming months. There are no proposed redundancies, but all impacted team members will be offered rede redeployment. The spokesperson added, the successful Boots transformation plan has created a strong and stable platform for growth. This has included our store, the programme which will now accelerate ongoing investment into our store estate. The spokesperson said the closures will help reduce the amount of duplication as most of the stores closing are within five kilometres of each other. Brother for Miracle Boy. The family of cancer hero, hero Oscar Saxby Lee have shared the wonderful news he has a new baby brother. The eight-year-old won the nation's heart in his battle against leukaemia after raising enough money for life-saving treatment in Singapore in 2020. The Hand in Hand for Oscar Facebook group was set up to coordinate fundraising and share the latest updates. Mum Olivia and partner Jamie Lee have now shared the good news of a new addition to their family. In the update, the family said Jacob Ray Saxbury Lee, born 14.6.23 at 3.55pm, weighing at £6.4. Our perfect little cub was born into our arms at home, surrounded by an abundance of love and tenderness just a week ago. His birth was absolutely magical. I still can't get over how truly special his arrival has been. I have so much thanks to share for the incredible midwives who helped make our home birth wishes come true. Charlotte, Julie and Lauren, we cannot thank you enough for, re for re you really are heroes. We are all absolutely besotted with our bear cub, his brother bear especially. The family have shared Jacob was born with an ear defect and they are not sure what extent he can hear yet. The St John's based family said, it has also been a difficult time coming to terms with something we found hard to comprehend, not because it's life-threatening in any way or something we aren't able to manage, but because we really believe life had thrown enough at our family and there couldn't quite possibly be anything else on the cards for us. However, we look at life Though there will always be challenges, it just so happens to be our children that are affected, and we find that soul destroying, and we find that soul destroying at times. We are ever so grateful he's here with us, and that he has chosen us to love him, care for him, and treasure him. His own unique journey is going to be alongside his big bro, who we could not be prouder of. There's simply no one else a little brother could look up to more. Oscar, nicknamed Ozzy, was just four, year, four years old when he was diagnosed with an aggressive blood cancer in December 2018. Full-time carer, Olivia, and painter and decorated Jamie launched an appeal for stem cell donors after doctors warned he had just three months to start treatment. A record-breaking 4,855 volunteers queued in the rain after Oscar's Pitmaston Primary School 
opened as a testing centre in March 2019. He underwent an operation, but he faced a further blow when the cancer returned. A crowdfunding drive then raised £600,000 to fly him to Singapore for pioneering treatment not available on the NHS. Three months later, he returned home before he was finally declared cancer-free in October 2020. Okay, key evidence burnt in blaze. Forensic evidence was burnt in an intense fire which destroyed cars and vans. Firefighters told police they believed the blaze in Orchard Street was arson, but officers were unable to determine the cause. Loud explosions woke up concerned neighbours at about 3am on Monday morning, June the 26th. They dashed to call 999 with the fire service receiving multiple reports about the large fire. A car and a van were destroyed in the blaze, while two other cars suffered from heat damage and a garage was largely damaged. Police said it was recorded as arson because the fire service was suspicious about the cause of the fire. Unfortunately, due to the fire's intensity, it's destroyed all forensic evidence, so we cannot confirm for certain if it is or not, said a spokesperson from West Mercia Police. A spokesperson said Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service was called out to a fire in the open in Worcester at 3.59 oh, on Monday. Two Worcester Fire crews attended and the scene in Orchard Street at the rear of Bath Road properties. We received 10 calls about the incident. One van and a car were 100% destroyed by fire with two further cars having minor heat damage while a detached garage was 25% damaged by fire. Three hose reel jets, four breathing apparatus units, tools and a thermal imaging camera were used to tackle the incident, which was left with the police at 5.37am. There were no casualties and hazards, including a camping cylinder, was averted. Paul Stiles, who lives on neighbouring Stanley Street, said it was in the early hours I was awoken at about 3am. My whole bedroom was lit up bright red and I could hear explosions. My first thought was, oh no, my shed's gone up in flames. I went out into the back garden and could see that two of my neighbour's cars had gone up in flames. Everybody is okay, it just seems so strange, as there was another fire last week. And then a few weeks before that, a flat caught on fire. Uniting to tackle crime. Blue boards labelled Criminals Beware have been put up around a Worcestershire village as they look to tackle crime in the area. Kemsey villagers voted overwhelmingly to have smart water status, which is an initiative that aims to prevent crime. The scheme was first launched in September 2022 when smart water kits were distributed to residents of Kemsey and its hamlets to help protect their valuables. Since over 80% of the homes have signed up for the kits, smart water is a way of keeping valuable items safe by marking them with an invisible water-based liquid. This assigns the item with a unique code so it can be traced back to the owner making it easier for them to be returned if stolen. 
Since the launch, over 1,600 smart water property marking kits have been issued to Kemsey Parish residents through multiple sign-up events and door-knocking sessions, supported by Kemsey Parish Council and Kemsey PACT, Partners and Communities Together, that stands for. Smart water signage is now installed throughout the village and surrounding parish hamlets to discourage organised and opportunistic crime. Councillor Chris Waller, Chair of Kemsey Parish Council, said the Parish Council has promoted smart water for a number of years and fully supported the latest initiative helping to reach the target registrations in the final days of the project and proposing the locations for the signage, including our parishioners. It was a great effort. The village managed to initially secure finding through the Malvern Hills District Council and PCC John Campion's We Don't Buy Crime Scheme. The delivery of the project has been a combination partnership from Malvern Hills District Council's Community Safety Team, Kemsey Parish Council, the Community Engagement Team at Platform Housing Group and the Kemsey and Alfric Safer Neighbourhood Team at West Mercia Police. Following Kemsey's success, the scheme is now looking to be made available in Sevenstoke and Croom. And this is um, something that um, we might need to know. Um, And its headline is Royal Mail Stamp Surcharging Warning. Royal Mail has issued a warning to all customers with non-barcoded stamps that they must use them up or swap out before the July 31st deadline. From July the 31st, non-barcoded stamps will not be accepted and anyone sending mail with them could be surcharged. Details of how much that could be will be released nearer the time. Customers who cannot use any non-barcoded stamps before the 31st of July will be able to swap non-barcoded stamps for barcoded stamps and through Royal Royal Mail. Simple and free swap-out scheme. The swap-out scheme opened on March 31st, 2022 and there is currently no deadline. Royal Mail said it will aim to process applications within seven working days, but some applications may take longer and customers should allow 15 working days before following up the Royal Mail customer service experience on 03457 740740. The move to barcoded stamps was first announced on the 1st of February 2022. Non-barcoded Christmas and other special stamps with pictures on continue to be valid for postage and should not be submitted for swap out. Customers only need to swap out the everyday first and second class stamps featuring the profile of her late Queen Elizabeth. Stamps that have already been used for postage will not be accepted on the swap-out scheme. There are four ways customers can obtain a swap-out scheme form. Via the Royal Mail website at www.royalmail.com Barcoded stamps where customers can download a form. 
customers who do not have access to a printer can instead complete a web form and request a form to be posted to them by contacting Royal Mail's customer experience team on 03457740704 and requesting a form to be posted to them by visiting one or more than 1,200 local delivery officer customer service points where they can pick up a form in person from post office branches nationwide. Mail posted after the 31st of July 2023 without a barcoded stamp will be treated in the same way as if there is insufficient postage on the item. Any item that has insufficient postage may be subject to a, a surcharge. The candidates for a by-election following a, a councillor's sudden death have been announced. Simon Cronin died last month, less than a week after he had been re-elected as the Nunnery Ward City Councillor for the third time. Now it has been confirmed that four candidates will compete for his seat. Fellow Labour Party member Elaine William Wilmore is among those in the running at the by-election due to be held on Thursday, July 20th. Also standing for election is the Scott Butler of the Liberal Democrats, independent candidate David Carney and the Conservative Party's Ala Ditter. Tributes poured in following Mr Cronin's death, aged 64, following a short illness, after it was announced by Worcester City Council on May the 11th. Just days earlier, he had been re-elected with a majority of 330 votes. He held the nunnery seat for the past 16 years, having been first elected in 2007. Colleagues and loved ones described Mr Cronin as hard-working and formidable. Managing Director of Worcester City Council, David Blake, said Simon was respected and well-liked by many of the staff who worked with him over the years. During an age when politics can get a bit heated, Simon was always the calm voice of reason and his warm and friendly approach will be greatly missed by everyone. We would often stop and chat when we bumped into each other on the high street and it is incredibly sad that Worcester has lost such a kind and dedicated politician. His niece, Natalie Cronin, added, Simon was a greatly respected member of the community, a wonderful friend to many and a dearly loved brother, uncle and great-uncle. He will be so sadly missed. Poll cards will be dispatched on Friday, June the 30th and the last date to register to vote is 11.59 on Tuesday, July the 4th. The deadline for postal applications is Wednesday, July 5th, and postal votes will be dispatched on Friday, July the 7th. Polling day will take place between 7am and 10pm on Thursday, July the 20th. That's it. And now here are some sports stories um, about various events that have happened in the last week. And uh, Janet will start us off. Defender Josh Shuck has signed up to play for Worcester City next season after a frustrating year on the sidelines. Shuck 
missed the majority of the 22-23 campaign after suffering an injury to his knee and is yet to play a game for City boss Chris Corns. But he is one of just a handful of players to be kept on at the club following a summer clear-out. Shockey is a player who I wanted to sign again because I think he could be a massive player for us this season with a good pre-season under his belt, said Corns. He played against us at Bewdley last season and was the best player on the pitch and I was gutted when I got the job and found out that he was injured. I can't wait to work with him this season and help him fulfil his potential. Chuck has come through the age groups at City and was promoted to the first team by their then-manager, Tim Harris, for the 21-22 campaign. He was given plenty of opportunity by Harris and Chuck, came into the 2023 campaign with plenty of game time under his belt, but his progress was halted when the injury arrived in the early months of the season ruling him out for the remainder of the campaign. After a frustrating season for me personally, through injury and a tough year for the club, I'm delighted to get back with the squad and the new players, said Shuck. I'm also excited to finally get to work with Chris, who has great plans for the future of the club. It will also be a chance for me to repay the fans who have been very supportive over the last year and to help get the club back to where it belongs. Chuck joins the likes of, likes of Dylan Hart, Rhys Taylor-Randall, Elliot Hartley and Cameron Monteith in staying at City after last season's horror show. Worcester were lucky to avoid relegation and limped through the campaign, stuttering along the way as they struggled to score goals and keep them out at the other end. Corns had added a wealth of experience ahead of the 2023-24 campaign with the likes of Logan Stoddart, Adam Mace, Robbie Thompson-Brown and former Football League midfielder Isaac Reed, all coming through the door. City play in the Hellenic League Premier next season and with the signings made, they are already looking like one of the favourites. Creative Solution RFU set to discuss plans to save clubs. The RFU are holding a two-day conference <clears throat> this week to discuss the state of rugby in England. With the status of fallen clubs Worcester Warriors, Wasps and London Irish one of the major talking points. There are reports that the three clubs, all of which entered administration, could return to a revised championship league by the start of the 2025-26 campaign. The Telegraph report reported on Monday that Premiership Rugby and RFU are looking to find a creative solution to ensure that Warriors, Wasps and Irish can be saved from extinction by potentially bringing them back into a new look second tier, Prem 2. The hope is that the launch of the Premiership Rugby Cup next season, involving matches between Premiership and Championship sides, will provide a closer link between the two leagues, with a view to a new look Prem 1 stroke Prem 2 system. Warriors and Wasps both know that if they are to return from the dead, they must start from the bottom of the rugby structure. 
providing they meet RFU guidelines. At this moment in time, Warriors Atlas owners Jim O'Toole and James Sandford have not yet come to an agreement with the RFU to return to the league structure. They still harbour ambitions to merge with Level 5 club Stabridge Rugby under the Worcester Warriors name, but sources close to the Worcester News suggest that the proposal is dead in the water and no vote has yet been had or is planned amongst their members. Atlas's Jim O'Toole did state that there would be a fan forum event at Six Ways this month, June, following their takeover at the start of May, but there remains no progress on that. Okay, time to shine. Ben Stokes explains why he called up Josh Tung. Worcestershire's Josh, Josh Tung is set to make his Ashes debut. The bowler will take to the field in England's second test against Australia at Lords. However, his call-up has come as quite a surprise to many, who'd expected to see the express pace of Mark Wood feature instead. Seamers Matthew Potts and Chris Wokes were also overlooked. Ben Stokes has backed the decision, though, as an, and is excited to see what Tongue can bring to the team. He said, We needed to get to Lords first and see what conditions we were faced with. We wanted to play Mark Wood, but we felt while he could definitely start the game, we felt an extra week of build-up and loading him would give him a better chance to play fully from Headingley onwards. We brought Tungy into the team as a like-for-like like with Woody. I'm looking forward to seeing Tungy continue the great start he had against Ireland here. The only thing that's different is the occasion for him. He's had his first test match, his debut game, which he's had huge success from. Coming in and being able to use him as in a fourth seamer role is something that I'm very much looking forward to him being able to do. And I think he's really looking forward to the challenge as well. Tung comes into the side in place of former Worcestershire's teammate Moen Ali. The only change to the side, which was narrowly beaten in the series opener Edgebuston. Many pundits and cricket fans have taken to social media to share their thoughts on his inclusion. The Athletics Wolverhampton Wanderers reporter Steve Madley said, As a Worcestershire fan, delighted for Josh Tung but struggling to see the justification for not picking Wokes, who bats well and has a superb bowling record at Lords. Cricket analyst Dan Weston added, I've long advocated for England to use Root more as their only spinner in likely non-spin friendly conditions. Unsure that tongue is the right choice though, and that tail looks long. Also unsure what benefit naming the 11 so early has particularly when it's a surprising one and then it follows on with dream debut tongue claims his first ashes wickets worcestershire bowler josh tongue claimed his first wicket on his ashes debut for england at lords the 25 year old called up the squad for the second test to replace ex-worcestershire all-rounder moen ali made the breakthrough with the final delivery before lunch to remove Australian opener Usman Khwaja. Tung then sent fellow opener David Warner stumps rumbling with his second wicket, 
The 25-year-old was brought into the attack on the 18th over of the morning session, but was pulled a couple of times, including a six from Warner for his half-century, as he went for 24 runs in his opening three overs. But with the final ball of the session, Tung made the important breakthrough to remove Kwaja for 16. He then went on to take the second wicket, as he produced a brilliant delivery to send the dangerous Warner's stumps tumbling for, for 66. But Steve Smith and Marnus Lambuska went on the offensive and built a partnership that put the visitors in control. A couple of decisions seemingly went against England, but the Aussie pair were playing well and putting their side in a good position. By tea, Australia had pushed the score out to 192, with Smith unbeaten on 43 and Lambuschange on 46 as part of an 86-run partnership. Right, now this is about a kayak challenge. Two Worcestershire-based recruitment specialists are set to take on a gruelling charity kayak challenge. The 777 challenge will see them paddling the length of the River Severn over seven days and raising £7,000 for children's charity New Hope. James Cronin and Mike Pincott from Worcester Jobs firm GMP Recruitment will travel the whole 220 miles of the River Severn as they aim to raise the money for the charity, which provides specialist daycare for children with disabilities and complex health care needs. The pair who are training round the clock to prepare for the event in September will begin the charity challenge at the river's origin in the Welsh mountains and travel through the Shropshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire countryside down to the Severn Estuary in Bristol. James said, we are complete novices, so we're training really very hard, but also making sure we are fully aware of the safety precautions as the River Severn is notoriously treacherous. It's going to be an exhausting seven days, but it's all to raise money for such a great and inspiring course. Once we have some more rivers training under our belts, we'll be ready to go. New Hope is especially close to, the, to Mike's heart, as his three-year-old daughter, Ava, lives with Angelman syndrome, a genetic disorder which causes delayed development, problems with speech, balance and seizures. Mike added... New Hope is quite simply an amazing charity which helps so many children and their families to cope. Doing our kayak challenge for them makes it extra special. The Tandem Kayak Challenge is certainly going to be interesting for two people who have never kayaked until now, so we're massively out of our comfort zone. However, our training is doing well and we're determined to get through the seven days and have a big celebration when we reach Bristol. As part of the fundraising, businesses can also sponsor James and Mike by advertising on the kayak, paddles and even their shirts. Readers looking to donate or businesses who want to become a sponsor can visit the team's Just Giving pages. The Kayak Challenge follows another charity event last year which saw James, Mike and colleague Charlotte Harkin take on the Three Peaks Challenge with them, raising £10,000 for New Hope. And this is another um, sport um, issue. Um, it's all about young talent. Homegrown talented midfielder James Batchelor becomes the latest youth product to commit to Worcester City for next season. The 16-year-old was handed his senior debut for the club 
towards the back end of 2022 campaign by boss Chris Corns, who went on to give Bachelor another six appearances. The combative midfielder had impressed with the under-18 side, whom he also helped to win the Herefordshire FA Giant Killers Cup, enough to earn himself a call-up to the first team. He didn't look back and was not out of place in senior football and has now earned himself another season with the club, alongside fellow youth team players Josh Shook, Cam Monteith and Dylan Hart. Batch is a great signing for the club, said Corns. He's got much potential at such a young age and I think that showed last season when he made a few appearances. Something I want is a clear pathway from the youth teams to first team football. Batch is a product of that pathway. It's now about nurturing him to get the best out of him for his long-term development. On staying at City for another season, James said, Personally, I'm delighted to be staying with the club for what looks like a very exciting season ahead, which I cannot wait for. I'm grateful to the club and the gaffer for giving me such a great opportunity at the end of the season, now going into this one. As a local lad who came to watch the most games as a supporter in the last few seasons, there is nowhere I would rather be. That's the end of the sports, so we've gone to something else here now about Worcester. (laughs) The new owner of a cafe has come up with a creative new idea to add a bit of spice to their menu. Elgar's Coffee Shop and licensed restaurant in Reindeer Court has been a staple coffee shop in the city centre for the past two decades. But now the little gem of a cafe will be plating up Nepalese food in the evenings after serving its popular teas and cakes throughout the day. Most people knew Mustafa Gokman as the face behind the counter for the past 21 years. But in 2022, Raj Kunwal took the reins. Mr Kunwal, who is from Nepal, hopes to bring a new sense of life to the cafe by plating up Nepalese food in the evenings between 4.30pm and 10pm from Tuesday to Sunday. Mr Kunwal believes the Nepalese addition to the menu will help his business amid the cost of living crisis. And the businessman already has experience in running curry houses in Morven called the Everest Eatery and Yakanyeti. He said, I have two curry houses in Morven. I know how to run them. It seems like a good way to manage the cost of living crisis and manage our expenses and costs. There has been a rise in costs and everyone has been feeling it. It's not the same as it was before. Our prices have doubled. Everyone is struggling right now. We haven't formally opened yet, but we're hoping to open in a month. We did plan to open something like this when we took it over last year, but the logistics of everything took a bit more time. But it was about time that it was open. Nepalese food is becoming more well-known now. It's similar to Indian food, but people are starting to recognise it more. Previous owner, Mr Gokman, has offered to help if they need it. He said, they've been keen to do it for a while and I think it is a really good thing. 
I ran the cafe for 21 years and I was working seven days a week and I was so tired I needed a break. But if they need any help with the new venture, I would be more than happy to help. Horror as animal impaled on rail. A furious animal lover said an old railing should have been removed after she discovered a blood-stained animal impaled on it. Worcester City Council has now removed the railing and said it did not belong to them. Janet Hardy said she was walking when she, with others, discovered an animal impaled on a railing in Cherry Orchard, Diglis. New railings have been placed along the path, but the old ones had not been removed despite having sharp pointed metal posts. In a gruesome picture she took, it appears the animal had been leaping before landing on the railings and one of the spikes went through its body. She said the animal, believed to be a muntjac, was freed but it went off in pain before it could be treated. After a search the animal could not be found, which she said is typical of an animal that goes off to find a place to die. It was horrendous, she said. He had been impaled on the railing. A new railing was put up for a new path there and this old railing was left. It used to be maintained and cut back but the growth had been allowed to grow so in places you couldn't properly see the railing. It should have been removed straight away. Everyone who saw it was really upset. The animal had been caught on its hind leg and may have tried to leap or scramble over the railing when it became caught. Worcester City Council was contacted after the incident on Wednesday the 21st of June and the railing had now, has now been removed by their staff. A spokesman for the authority said, it is not clear to whom this section of railing belongs, but as it is old and of no longer surface, no longer serves any purpose, we have taken the precaution of removing it to prevent any similar incidents from occurring. A uh, pub goes on sale for 375000 A Worcestershire pub known for its large garden has hit the market. The Gardener's Arms in Vines Lane, Droitwich, has gone up for sale on right move. The Georgian-style public house has two bars, a two-bedroom accommodation, a large garden split into seven sections, then can fit around 150 people, and two covered trading areas. A spokesperson for the pub said the landlady and landlord are looking to retire and hope the watering hole can remain a pub for the foreseeable future. In December, a plan to build new homes next to a pub was put forward. In the plans, two new homes would be built in the garden of the Gardener's Arms. The application said the town watering hole would return to a wet pub, serving only drinks with a large part of the site's outdoor space turned over for new housing. The plan has been redrawn since first being submitted more than a year ago, with the original idea to build four homes, including two three-bed homes, reduced to two homes. Conservation officers at Witchhaven District Council have come out against the plan, saying that while there has been considerable improvements made compared to 12 months ago, the application didn't contain anything to justify losing the grounds of a building with local significance. 
A statement included with the application said, The site is situated on the northern side of Vines Lane in Droitwich, which itself is north of the town centre. Vines Lane is predominantly residential road in a sustainable location with two-storey dwellings with a number of planning applications approved of a similar nature as infill development in the road after the last 10 years. The plan is still pending review. New photographs show a major new high-rise development taking shape with new windows now in place in rooms with a grand view of the city. The new windows of Sheriff's Gate in Sheriff Street at the bottom of Newtown and Tolladyne Road, Worcester, can be seen gleaming behind the protective layer of scaffolding in which they have been enclosed for months. When the project is finished and the scaffolding stripped away, the rooms behind the new glass will command some of the most spectacular views in Worcester. The project dwarfs the surrounding buildings and competes with some of the city's tallest buildings to dominate the skyline, including Worcester Cathedral, the Hive and St Andrew's Spire. Meanwhile, the flats continue to rise and take shape, looming over Sherry Street and Tolladyne Road, as workmen in hard hats and high-vis tabards can be seen on the various levels. Looking from Tolladyne Road, the new building forms a sheer canyon over the main road perched on its high vantage point near the railway bridge. The £150 million Sheriff's Gate project is transforming the look and feel of the city, the buildings visible for miles around. When completed, the development will include hundreds of new, new apartments, a hotel, gym, multi-storey car park and shops for food and drink, as well as a multi-screen cinema. Built as one of the largest mixed-use developments ever to be undertaken in Worcester, the project will create 650 homes. The Elliott Group has been working on the structure as the main contractor of the residential apartment development within Phase 1. When work began last summer, Stenard Harrison from Worcester-based Worcester -based Sheriff's Gate Development said, when complete, the £150 million investment in the revival of the city's Shrub Hill area will comprise hundreds of new apartments, including affordable housing, a hotel, a gym, a multi-storey car park, food and beverage outlets and a multi-screen cinema, and 10-pin bowling. This huge project is a significant boost to the local economy, bringing hundreds of jobs to the city and providing much-needed housing for the people of Worcester and the opportunity for local people to get on the freehold ladder. And this is an article about the health heroes. There is still plenty of time to nominate your colleagues as part of Worcestershire's Health and Social Care Awards 2023. The Worcester News is delighted to host its annual awards once again, which recognise the hard work of those in the health and social care sector. Worcestershire's Health and Social Care Awards, now in its third year, recognises care home workers, nurses, doctors, dentists, mental health workers and domiciliary care workers. The Worcestershire's Health and Social Word, um, sorry, Social Care Awards will run across mm -hmm. all of its localities. And um, Malvern Gazette, Evesham Journal, Bromsgrove and Droitwich Advertiser 
Kidderminster Shuttle and Redditch Advertiser and is in partnership with the University of Worcester. There are 12 categories, meaning 12 awards are up for grabs, those who have shown outstanding contributions in their sector. Worcester News looks forward to reading this year's nominations and sharing their wonderful stories. The 2023 awards will culminate in a black tie dinner for all the finalists at the Abbey Hotel in Malvern on Thursday, September 14th, where the winners will be announced. Regional editor Stephanie Priest said, As these awards have grown over the last few years, we have been humbled by the stories we've been told. Each nomination represents a special person or team whose work truly makes a difference for all those who care for them. We are truly blessed to have such hard-working, dedicated professionals in our communities and these awards seek to shine a light on the health and social care workers in Worcester who go to the extra mile. We hope they will show our great appreciation for the work that they do. As the nominations come in, we look forward to sharing their stories and creating a permanent record of all those incredible achievements. The organisers of Upton Jazz Festival have thanked everyone who helped make the event such a success. The Jazz Festival took place in venues throughout the town from June the 23rd to the 25th. A programme of ticketed concerts sold out well in advance, with fans keen to catch a glimpse of acts including Ben Holder's Hot Club Quartet, Tenement Jazz Band and Moscow Drug Club. And free events also proved popular at venues including The Swan, The Boathouse, Mojitos, Bar 7, The White Lion, The Muggery and The Baptist Church. John Parsons, who is part of the Festival Organising Committee, said the feedback from visitors to the festival had been amazing. People have commented on the quality of the music, the varied selection of music and the great atmosphere and everyone has told us to keep going, he said. Thank you for coming along, for joining in, for playing or applauding, for volunteering, to our venues for sharing your space and everyone who welcomed the jazz club with a smile. John said the majority of venues were standing room only at some point over the weekend. We're going to keep on doing what we do down by the riverside, as we call it, he added. We've returned a small profit, but if anyone would like to contribute to the festival, they'd be very welcome to. And we're very open to new volunteers and people wishing to get involved in the organising of the festival throughout the year. The festival is organised by Upton Jazz Association, a charity with the aim of providing and encouraging jazz music by inviting the highest quality of award-winning and international talent to Upton, whilst also encouraging local and talented young people to explore the music and developing their skills and confidence in performance. Profits from the festival ticket sales go towards supporting the aims of the charity. Call for action on speeding. The County Council has been told to get its act together over bringing in anti-speeding measures on a busy city road. 
Labour councillor Lynn Denham has hit out at the Conservative-run Worcestershire County Council for taking nine months to respond to a request to install a vehicle-activated sign in Worcester's Astwood Road to help combat speeding. Councillor Denham was not happy with the sluggish response from the County Council's Highways Department or the nine-month wait which ended with the call for the vehicle-activated sign which warns approaching drivers whether they are breaking the speed limit or not, snubbed altogether. A frustrated Councillor Denham said, many residents in Aswood Road, which sits in the Rainbow Hill Division, which she represents on the County Council, were deeply concerned about speeding cars and law-breaking drivers, and further delays by the County Council were dangerous and unnecessary. She said the council needed to get its act together and install measures to curb speeding as soon as possible. Residents deserve better than this, she said. They are deeply concerned about speeding past their homes and these concerns need to be addressed urgently. Unfortunately, the Tory-run county council seems to have given up on the idea of governing. For the safety of Aswood Road's residents, the County Council should get its act together and put anti-speeding measures in place as soon as possible. Delay is potentially dangerous and is also unnecessary. Councillor Denham said she first called for a vehicle-activated sign along Aswood Road in October last year, but was recently told by the County Council it would not be possible to install and is now looking to monitoring strips to measure the extent of the speeding problem. Worcestershire County Council said it had carried out a speedy survey after the issue was raised by Councillor Denham and will be discussing the results with her. The busy city route, Aswood Road, runs from Rainbow Hill to the junction with Bilford Road near Purdiswell Leisure Centre and is flanked by hundreds of homes and the city's main Astwood Cemetery. It has been the site of several crashes, including a two-car pile-up less than a fortnight ago, which led to the road being closed for several hours. Dancers raise over a £1,000 for two charities. Talented amateur dancers from across Worcestershire and Warwickshire raised more than £1,400 for local charities at their Spring Gala fundraising event. Some 35 dancers took to the stage, ranging in age from their 30s to their 80s. The dancers, all of whom attend Jump Dance Academy's dance classes for adults, performed a number of routines in ballet, tap and theatre dance styles at the event at the Norbury Theatre Droitwich on Saturday, June the 3rd. The gala, which also featured guest performances, a buffet and a charity raffle, was held in aid of Acorns Children's Hospice and Evesham's Men in Sheds. The charities were voted for by members of the dance classes. Jump Academy Principal Helena Mitchell said everyone had a great day. The performances were fabulous and best of all we exceeded our fundraising target. Thanks so much to everyone who supported the gala. The dancers involved in the performance attend weekly classes in ballet, tap and theatre dance as well as Silver Swans ballet classes for ages 55 plus. 
For more information, email info at jumpdanceacademy.co.uk. A teenage mother has been found guilty of murdering her newborn son. Paris Mayo, 19, cried in the dock after jurors at Worcester Crown Court took eight hours and 38 minutes of deliberation to find her guilty of her son Stanley Mayo's murder. The court had previously heard Mayo was 15 when she gave birth to Stanley alone and unaided in a living room at her parents' home in Ross-on-Wye, Herefordshire, on March 23, 2019. She assaulted Stanley and stuffed cotton wool balls down his throat before putting his body in a bin bag and leaving it on the front doorstep before going to bed. Mayo's mother found the child the next morning when she looked inside the blood-stained bag and immediately called 999, the court was told. The teenager had earlier denied causing Stanley's complex skull fractures thought to have been caused by her foot on his head and claimed her son was already dead when he was born. Mayo appeared in court on Friday wearing a black t-shirt, a black and white patterned skirt and white Converse trainers. The jury of five men and seven women returned a majority guilty verdict on Friday afternoon. Following the verdict, Judge Mr Justice Garnham remanded Mayo of Roerdine in Gloucestershire in custody awaiting sentence. A village has been left waiting for a decision <coughs> on whether another controversial plan to build more homes should be allowed to go ahead. Witchhaven District Council's planning committee had been asked to rule on Spitfire Homes planned to build 30 homes in Kroll near Worcester, but the application was withdrawn from the agenda at the last minute ahead of the meeting on Thursday. The committee had been due to meet with a recommendation from the council's planning officers that the work for the land off Church Road in Kroll should be given the go-ahead, despite the land itself classed as open countryside, which should be strictly <coughs> controlled and outside of any designated house-building boundary for the village. Witchhaven District Council had also said it could not show it had enough for housing to cope with demand for, the, for at least the next five years, which meant that the plan for 30 new homes in Kroll should be supported. The bigger home plans put forward in Kroll in recent years have all been rejected by council planners, including a plan for 30 homes on the same site by the same developer almost eight years ago. Spitfire Homes saw its plan to build 30 homes on the land opposite Kroll Parish Hall in 2015, rejected by Witchhaven District Council after more than 150 objections were made against its villagers in Kroll. The earmarked land for 62 new homes is outside Kroll's current designated development boundary, but was put forward as a potential site for up to 40 new homes during the ongoing review of the South Worcestershire Development Plan. The key county planning blueprint, which sets out where thousands of homes will be built in the next 20 years. However, 
In March last year, social housing provider Platform Housing had its plan to build 12 homes in Kroll, backed by government planning inspectors, just months after it was rejected by council planners. More than 100 objections were raised against the plan by villagers, but the inspector still overruled the council and allowed the plan to go ahead. Last year, Piper's Homes put forward a plan to build 62 homes on land on the opposite side of the church road in Kroll, which was meant sorry, which was met with a wave of objections from villagers. <coughs> An Afghan journalist who fled the Taliban after the fall of Kabul has spoken of his new life in Worcester and his hopes for the future. Zanula is now living in a flat in the east of Worcester with his wife, who is expecting their first child. The 24-year-old has been helped by Worcestershire County Council, the resettlement team, to find a home and adjust to life in the UK. He arrived in the UK in October, leaving Afghanistan in late September as he now rebuilds his life in Worcester. His new life is a world away from the one he left behind, where he was shot at by the Taliban while behind the wheel of a government vehicle. His brother was stabbed by one of the militants, aged just 19, and his family was interrogated by Taliban soldiers who were trying to find him because of his links to the old regime. The move has also been a wrench for the former journalist and government official, Forced to leave his family, his mum, dad, five brothers and six sisters, we have agreed to use his first name only because of his concerns further detail could identify him and therefore could put his family and friends at risk from the Taliban. The most important difference between the UK and Afghanistan is that you have freedom and real dem democracy. In Afghanistan... The last government says we have democracy, but it's not real. There are opportunities here for me and my wife. People here are so friendly and so lovely. I feel happy and sad, hard because we lost everything. We're starting life from zero. Zanula was born in Logar province and became a target because he was a media officer for the Ministry of the Interior. During his work, he had contact with his high-ranking officials, including the minister and the commander of Afghanistan's special forces. Before that, he was a journalist, working for the Daily Sharkat newspaper and also the Orband, a weekly. The Home Office identified him as having the right to come to the UK because of his military background, which included writing reports about meetings. The Afghan capital, Kabul, fell on August the 15th, 2021, after a major insurgent offensive that began in May 2021. As a result, the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan, under President Ashraf Ghani, was swept away and the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan was reinstated under the control of the Taliban. He nodded, My life was at risk. Before the fall of Kabul, they tried to get control of the media. 
They would arrest people. They would kill people. For more than 40 years, everything has been wrong for my whole life. If I remained in Af Afghanistan, I would be worried I would be killed by the Taliban. If the Taliban were not in Afghanistan, I would love to go back, he said. A woman watched in shock as her car and garage burnt down in a suspected arson attack. Hayley Bretherton and her husband Phil were asleep when they got a phone call from a friend telling them to wake up because their cars were on fire. Mrs Bretherton could only stand and watch as her car and garage went up in flames after a huge fire broke out on Orchard Street on Monday, June the 26th in the early hours of the morning. As we previously reported, emergency services arrived at the street near Bath Road just before 3am, but forensic evidence was burnt <coughs> alongside cars and vans destroyed in the fire. Although police have recorded the incident as arson, they are unable to confirm for certain or not. Mrs Bretherton said, my car was gutted, but it's been recovered. I was just in shock when it happened. The doors and the roof of the garage have been damaged and Mrs Bretherton said her husband's car has been written off while hers has been recovered. She continued, we got a phone call from one of our neighbours and said, guys, you need to get out of bed. Your car is on fire. It was really hot that night, so we had the fan on and didn't hear anything. But we are pretty grounded. They are just things, but it's not ideal. You never think it's going to happen until it happens to you. It feels like a senseless vandalization. We were angry when it happened, but we're okay. Our dog is okay, and our home is okay. And that's the main thing. We don't have an emotional connection to our things, but it is annoying and inconvenient. But fair play to the police. They have been up and down the road asking for more information and searching, searching for ring doorbells. I was panicking about the tree because it went up in flames. It could affect a lot of properties. It's a huge tree. Loud explosions woke up concerned neighbours at about 3am on Monday morning, June the 26th. They dashed to call 999 with the fire service receiving multiple reports about the large fire. Donation to help animal shelter. A Midlands house builder is supporting furry friends in the community with a donation to a local organisation. Red Row Midlands whose developments include Kensington Gate in Worcester, donated £1,500 to local organisation the Worcestershire Animal Rescue Shelter as part of its community fund initiative, which supports local charities. Worcestershire Animal Rescue Shelter provides vital treatment and rehoming support for abandoned cats, dogs and ex-battery hens. Run mostly by volunteers, the shelter is powered by a desire to ease the distress of animals who've been abandoned or mistreated and aims to place them into loving homes. The money received from Redrow Midlands will be used for a variety of essentials, including microchipping, shelter and care food, bedding and spraying. I think it must be spaying. Alongside West Mercia Search and Rescue, six other charities benefited from the pot of funding, 
which saw a total of 5,000 donated, including Stratford Music Network, West Mercia Search and Rescue and Changes Tamworth. Elaine Cartwright, sales director of Red Row Midland, said, We're so pleased to be able to donate funds to such a worthy cause. Worcestershire Animal Shelter is vital to the community and the welfare of animals, helping them lead the perfect lives they deserve. The work Worcestershire Animal Shelter does is very important, and I, spe- I think I speak on behalf of the whole team here at Restro Midlands when I say we're incredibly grateful for their care and compassion towards our furry friends. Retro Midland currently has 12 developments across the region, including Kensington Gate. Sales offices at all developments across the Midlands will be holding late-night events, staying open until 7.30pm to accommodate busy schedules. To find out more, visit redrow.co.uk forward slash Midlands. Pupils at a Worcester school constructed and raced an eco-conscious electric car as part of a year-long project. RGS Springfield's Year 6 pupils geared up for the build as of the school's STEM, that's Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics curriculum, taking on various roles such as designers, engineers and project managers, the budding enthusiasts work together to design, fabricate and assemble their very own electric car. They also visited Silverstone, where they participated in workshops and explored the renowned Motor Racing Museum. Once they returned to school, the inspired pupils constructed and tested their new car before the RGS Springfield Green Power Goblin team journeyed to the race venue of Rainshaw's New Mills for an exhilarating race day. Joined by 20 other regional teams, the teams competed across three race categories. The year-long project began with the team constructing their kit car. Throughout the process, the pupils learned a range of new skills, mastering the use of tools and optimising the vehicle to maximise its, its performance. At Renishaw New Mills, each team member then had the opportunity to showcase their driving skills in a drag race or navigate a challenging slalom course before the ultimate trial, a sprint race across three or uh, three other cars. Against the other cars, I'm sorry. The team celebrated the performance of the car and drivers, placing fifth overall out of 21 teams. A school spokesperson said, This remarkable project not only fostered engineering and driving skills, but also cultivated resilience and teamwork among the Year 6 pupils, providing them with an unforgettable experience. As we come to a close, I'm just going to um, talk to you about an invitation to singers at Morven Festival Chorus. They will be singing Mozart's much-loved Requiem in Great Morven Priory on Saturday, July the 1st, and they are inviting local singers to join them. Why not treat yourself to an afternoon singing workshop with conductor David Angus and young soloists and orchestra from Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, followed by a concert. Afternoon tea between the workshop and concert is included and the chorus have a reputation for putting on a generous spread. The concert begins at 7pm and for more more information 
visit www.morvanfestivalchorus.co.uk. Thank you very much, Sue. And that's the last of our items for this evening. Um, so we would like to thank you all and hope you've gained something from uh, some of the items and enjoyed them. Um, I'm now going to read the thought for the day, um, which is um, from Isaiah 1, verses 18 to 20. Come now, let us settle the matter, said the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And now the obituaries for this week. Brian Patrick passed peacefully away on the 16th of June, aged 83 years. The funeral service will be held at the crematorium in Worcester on the 5th of July at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations may be made in Brian's memory to the Dogs Trust at the crematorium or online. Um, all inquiries may be made to AV Band at 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester. Telephone number 01905 22892. Brenda Benbow passed peacefully away on the 10th of June, aged 86 years. Her funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on the Friday the 30th of June at 11.30am. Flowers or donations, if desired, for Sir Richard's Hospice. And they may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Omsey Road, Worcester. A collection plate will be there uh, and you can also send the donations <coughs> directly to E.J. Gummery and who will uh, send them to the right place. Stephen Sandon. Um, he died on the 10th of June um, and his uh, funeral service is Monday the 10th of July at 12.30 at the Wire Forest Crematorium. That's DY138DE. Flowers are family only, but donations to MNDA and St Richard's Hospice. That's the Motor Neurone Disease Association and St Richard's Hospice, please. Inquiries to A.H. Coldicott and Sons, Funeral Directors, that's 15 Market Street, Tenbury Wells, WR158VH, or telephone number 01584810281. Stephen Halstead, he died on the 19th of June, aged 71 years. His funeral service is at Our Lady Queen of Peace Church on Monday the 3rd of July at 10am, followed by interment, interment at Astrid Cemetery. Flowers or donations, if desired, for the Elgar School of Music Limited, and they may be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU, and there will be a plate available at the church. Peter Harris passed away suddenly in hospital on the 13th of June, aged 74. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium on Monday the 3rd of July at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the British Heart Foundation may be left at the crematorium 
or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Um, Ian Steele, um, he was called known as Ian, his name actually was Robert Steele, but he is known as Ian. He died peacefully on the 18th of June, aged 79 years. Um, his funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 13th of July at 11.30am. No flowers please, but donations please to Dementia UK, sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St John's Worcester, WR25BT. Margaret Adams died peacefully on the 14th of June, aged 90 years. A funeral service will take place on the 28th of June. Um, oh, that was today, I'm afraid, at 11.30am. So I hope anyone who knew her um, will be uh, been able to attend that. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired to Cancer Research and the RSPCA, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, 54 to 56 Barbourne Road, Worcester. WR11JA and Doris Fawcett um, has passed away on the June June the twenty fourth, aged ninety two years. Her funeral service at Pershaw Cemetery Chapel on Monday, July the tenth at twelve noon noon will be followed by a burial. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the Salvation Army may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10-1HZ. John Burrell died peacefully at home on the 12th of June, aged 91. He was a solicitor, formerly for the Worcestershire County Council. Um, and now he... Uh, and also formerly associated with the Swan Theatre and the Ombersley and Sitchampton Endowed Schools. His funeral service is at St John's Church Hagley at 12.30pm on Monday the 3rd of July. All inquiries to H. Porter and Sons Funeral Directors, Old Church House, 60 South Road, Stourbridge, DY8 3UJ. Telephone number 01384 395048. Anthony Prosser passed away peacefully at home on the 18th of June, aged 78 years. His funeral service at St Clement's Church on Wednesday the 5th of July at 2pm is followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left at the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. And all our commiserations go to those people's relatives and friends and anyone who knew them at all in their lives. Uh, may they rest in peace. And now we say good night to you all uh, and uh, wish you a safe, happy week. And uh, you'll have another newspaper next week. All right. Good night to Sue from Sue. Good night. And from Janet. And from Good night. Lynn, and good from Patsy. Night. And from myself, Kate. And from